Yep. All right. We're at, we're at seven. So we're going to uh, call this meeting to order as folks are sitting down since we're a few minutes late, but such is the weather. Um, all right. Meeting to order. Uh, we're going to start with roll call, if you wouldn't mind just saying your name as we go. Uh, Beck. Frank Wagner. Cecile Kernsley. Kevin Boyd. Sharon DeGraw. Carl Brown. Jordan Seligren. All right. Uh, are on to item C. Uh, public discussion of anything not on the agenda. I don't know if you guys are here for something on the agenda later. Um, okay, then doesn't look like we have anyone for that. So on to the certificate of appropriateness, item D for uh, uh, 810 North Johnson Street. Okay, 810 North Johnson Street is in the Brown Street Historic District. As you can see here on this large corner lot, Johnson and Brown. Uh, this is this is the house we have a west or front facing gable it has a click clipped gable and a steep roof and on both sides there's a shed dormer there's a north facing gable as well which is here um, and then there are some additions on the back when i look at this house i really see a lot of colonial revival in it um, and i do believe is this looking here at the door i believe that this is all not original and that we had some kind of a more uh, Georgian or Federalist kind of door entry going on at this point that's just been um, decapitated. Um, anyway, so <laughs> no, no, I don't think you did. <laughs> anyway, there have been a few other changes over time, but we also have a little bit of some uh, more craftsman detailing. The siding could be really either Colonial Revival or, or Craftsman. We have some exposed rafter tails. Uh, we have windows that it looked to be pretty much four over one. Uh, that would be more Craftsman uh, than Colonial Revival. This is the view from North from uh, Brown Street. So this is, this is the side elevation. Here you can see this is a full length shed dormer. Um, in that steep roof again. Here is part of a 1960s edition. I frankly don't know when this was done. And um, then more recently, they, there was this um, solarium that the commission approved to remove and changed into a screened porch. Um, I showed that already. And so the, the current project is to install solar panels on the house and then the associated equipment. We did a few years ago, and I put that in the packet, um, approve a solar panel installation at the, it was a staff level review. On the staff report, I accidentally wrote skylight installation, so that's an error, but we all know we're talking about solar panels here anyway. And there are certain uh, criteria for a staff uh, level review, including the um, the color of them so that they blend with the roof, but also that mostly the location. And for a staff level review, it would not be able to be placed on any roof that would then be facing a street at all. We would only approve something that was on an outbuilding or a garage as a staff level. And so the reason it's coming to the commission is because of the location. And so the current proposal is to install, um, I believe it's 12 solar panels in an array on this, on the lower portion of this upper roof. So this, since it's part of that shed roof dormer, instead of being part of the steeply sloped part of the roof, it's up here and has a, a lower slope to it. 
Um, the equipment is frequently uh, located. There's um, some equipment that would be uh, like an, an, um, an inverter could be more near the panels. There would be usually a solar disconnect that's near um, uh, the meter that we can see. It kind of depends on each each project. And, and on our uh, staff level review, they are um, called for being put in the back or behind the house or inside if they can, something like that. I don't know yet where the proposal is for the equipment on this particular project, which is something I mentioned in the staff report as well. We'll, we'll make sure you get a chance to, to talk before. And so um, this was part of the application. So this shows the layout. We have panels kind of in a vertical orientation here and a few panels in a horizontal orientation here. The, the staff recommendation, if, if this had been something that staff could approve, we would have approved something that, you know, was on obviously the um, not street facing side, which is north, which we all know that wouldn't work for solar panels. Uh, the next best position would have been on any of these flat roofs that are part of the 1960s editions and, and earlier editions, just because also they're more flat, they would not be as visible. But it does not appear that there's enough room in any of those locations for the size of the array that they're, they're talking about. So uh, just today in, in Photoshop, based on this, we can see that we're you know, continuing past this little vent. On this side, we're a little close to the edge. You know, this diagram of a layout, a proposed layout, at least from uh, the bottom part of the lot, we're not even to the sidewalk yet here with this photo. This is kind of what we'd be looking at, something on the bottom edge. So you know, we're under the vent again. Maybe it's a little closer here. It's kind of hard to tell, but you know, you're not going to be looking at just a shot of the solar panels. They're going to be tipped up at that angle. We had the applicant also submit some other photos just so we could get an idea of what we're looking at generally. Um, this obviously is taken from the street somewhere and we can see that roof area like here's the little vent again So we're talking about panels in this area We can easily see that during a lot of the time when the leaves are, or the trees are leafed out that we're going to have tree cover here Of course trees are living things. They die. They get replaced. They lose their leaves and stuff uh, But so that's something to consider um, here. Here's the finished screen porch, which looks really nice. Uh, here's an, a longer shot. So this is probably from the other side of the street that we can see. And then this is the area again for um, the, the solar panels. Might be my last image, let me see. Oh no. So again, we're looking at putting solar panels in this area on the roof and then potentially having some equipment in this area, but we'll have them uh, address that. Um, let me see. So in, a, in your packet, I included not only the staff level review, I also included um, a little bit about from the National Park Service. And they go through and they talk about, you know, if they have optimal circumstances, kind of what the steps are that you would go through in placing solar panels. And um, they tend to be similar to uh, what we would recommend. They do say, um, let me see. 
Okay, so the section recommends installing a solar device in a compatible location such as a non-historic building, which we don't have, or freestanding, and I kind of talk about that in the staff report. We wouldn't want it on all of this slope of the yard either, and it looks at least from aerial photographs like the north or maybe even the northeast corner of the yard is covered in trees. And only installing on the historic building if other options are infeasible. When mounted on the historic building, it is recommended to install solar devices so that they are not visible or only minimally visible from the public right away. So it's possible that, it could, that the commission could determine that while we all know that they will be visible, that maybe this is minimum, minimally visible. And so currently we have a recommended motion to approve the project. Um, I would recommend for, that the commission um, finds out from the solar installer where the equipment is going to be because that could be a concern or not that we haven't addressed here. Okay, so just a reminder for the public and the commission, I should have done this before we started, but I didn't. The order of events here is we'll just ask any kind of clarifying questions to Jessica, something we maybe just didn't understand or um, just about her presentation, uh, if we have those or not. Then we'll open it up to the applicant to speak, any other members of the public, which doesn't look like we've got any. We'll kind of close discussion um, among everyone else and we'll discuss among ourselves. So, And uh, if you speak, please sign in on the paper. So first, are there any just like clarifying questions, something you didn't quite understand, um, what Jessica presented? I, we'll have an opportunity to ask more questions later as well. I have one. Yeah. Um, just looking at the picture and the, the addition on the front, the two flat roofed additions, I don't understand why one couldn't put them there. It's still facing south. Um, perhaps it might be necessary to reduce one or two panels. Um, I mean, I think it's very important to make allowances for this sort of project now, but um, I just wonder if that wouldn't be a, a, a less obtrusive place to site them. And it looks <coughs> as though that's a pretty big, both are pretty big roof surfaces. And that's something that I think we could ask the solar installer. And I mean, it was my, I, I think that it's possible that there's not enough room for what they are trying to accomplish. I'm, but that is something that we could ask them. Um, Jessica, I just want to uh, uh, clarify, when we talk about moving to a staff report, when we, when we do that, or staff review only, that's stuff that we've approved over and over again that doesn't require a lot of um, interpretation of the guidelines. Correct. And so we, when, we, when we move them to that, but just because it's not a staff review only doesn't mean that it is the only way to do it. It just means that the commission has kind of given you leeway to approve. This is the type of thing when it's really, when it becomes a judgment call, if it meets the minimal piece is really what our commission's job yeah, that's correct. In, in fact, in, in instances where we might have something that could be staff approved, if staff cannot approve it because of some detail or something like that, instead of just denying it and making right. them change everything, we sometimes even bring it to the commission for the commission to, yep. to Perfect. Okay. look at that. I just wanted to make sure that we understood that it's like just because we, the staff can't approve it doesn't mean it's not what we normally Correct. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the smallest detail oh, that, that makes it that so it has to come it to, to move the to, yeah, commission. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. I think any other, sorry, are there other clarifying questions? Uh, we'd love to hear from the applicant if you'd like. You do not have to speak. You're more than welcome to. Um, yeah, just a yeah, reminder to sign in too. It's for a minute taker.
So okay, pull my mask on. I think okay. the city rules allow that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I just want to make sure. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so to address your question first, um, the reason why we did not use, I'm just going to call it the, the screen and porch roof. Um, when we take panels and we turn them towards the east, we lose about 12% of the efficiency right there. Um, so doing that, we would have to increase the panels, the number of panels to kind of offset um, what we're trying to accomplish, which is max offset of the kilowatt hours that the homeowner consumes. So other thing with that too is we would have to run exterior conduit on the outside to kind of tap into uh, where we would be able to enter the attic and run everything in there electrically. So that was one of the big things which we talked about was, okay, we don't want any exterior conduit because, I mean, let's face it, it's a big eyesore even on, I mean, houses that aren't in the historical district. So um, that's what we try to stay away from. Um, and then equipment wise. So the only equipment that we're gonna be installing on the outside is a DC disconnect, which is just a direct current disconnect from the solar um, before the meter. Um, and then I was assured by our engineer with that is uh, once we install it, there's gonna be placards and stuff on it. Once it goes through inspection, um, then the, the residents, they can paint it red to kind of make it blend in a lot better. So. Um, everything else is going to be done interior. We're going to run all the electric through the attic into the, the electric panel and then um, pop out a little bit of conduit going into the DC disconnect and then running it over to, to the meter. So everything can be painted red. Everything can match. It will blend in kind of like the, the meter that we see there. I'm curious, how large is the DC disconnect box? I actually got the measurements because I thought that was going to come up. <laughs> Pure curiosity. So the DC disconnect, the height is 9.63 inches. The maximum width is 7.75 inches and the depth is about 3.75 inches. Great. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, my personal opinion from the street, it's not going to be something where it's going to be popping out like an inverter would be. Um, you know, getting close, then you'll be able to kind of tell a difference. Um, that's the other thing too. Inverter-wise, we're not even using a traditional string inverter with optimizers. We're actually using what's called a micro-inverter, um, and we actually attach them right underneath the panels. So there's nothing that's going to be on the side of the house or anything like that. So do we have any other other questions? Well, I, I wasn't suggesting that you turn the panels to the east. The, why couldn't they still face south? Because there's a little slope that goes to the east. The ones on the south, too, we still would have to run that exterior conduit up on the side. But wouldn't that be hidden in painted red also to be uh, invisible? I mean, it Go could, up in the corner? Uh, it could be. Um, you know, I just don't know what the corner looks like. It could be red, but it's still going to be you're going to be able to see it. Um, it's not something where it's really going to... But a conduit is smaller than 12 panels facing the street. That is correct. If, you're, you'd, like to, if you'd like to speak, you're welcome to. Just, you just need to use the mic so that our minute taker can hear it and then and sign in. Hey, I'm Lori Stuns. This is my house. 
And I, Drew did look at how much um, solar energy we could uh, gain from putting the panels in different locations on the top of the screen porch roof and on the, the up above that uh, around on the new the addition the 60s edition oh. and there isn't as much surface area also there are trees to the east of us so that cuts a lot of the solar exposure during the day because they're big leafy trees so we're talking uh, this this exposure is not blocked by anything this is this is a, a great location for solar panels, and that's why we like that the best. It's also, if um, you showed the picture from the street level, it's, it's not something that is going to be very noticeable. In the summertime when people are out and about walking past your house, the, the leaves are out between them and the house, and it's just not extremely visible. So. Other questions? All right, I don't think any other questions. I think we're, we're good for questions. Uh, we'll kind of close the public hearing and uh, talk amongst ourselves. I don't know if folks have thoughts. I do, I just wanna uh, say that I, I absolutely trust that you've done you know find the most optimal um way to install these panels because it benefits everybody so um yeah i have i see absolutely no reason why we shouldn't let this happen it makes a lot of sense <laughs> so i live diagonally across the street and i would say i'm much more aware of the bright red color of the house but i my eye is never drawn to the roof. Um, and it's true that if you're standing on the sidewalk, you would never see the roof because of the red bed tree. Um, if you're across the street on the sidewalk, uh, it's still the red facade is what you're gonna notice, not the roof. Yeah, I, I think this fits our definition of minimal and I think kind of fits what we have tried to do. It's the, the, the with the, it's very, it's kind of on a hill and high up anyway. It's very, I think, hard to kind of see from the street view. I think we need to get, we need to be, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, former Commissioner Agron used to talk about too, the, a lot of our roof materials aren't historic to begin with, and we, we try to mimic that. And I think just kind of the blending of the colors and the things help kind of um, minimize the, uh, the, helps the panels kind of just blend into the um, roof line. Plus it's, as, just, as Jordan said, it's really, I think, a, a benefit for, for all of us. Um, so comfortable with these. Any other discussion? I don't want to cut it off. All right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We should have done a motion to start with, um, but here we are. So let's do one now. <laughs> so DeGraw, I move to approve a certificate of appropriateness for the project at 810 North Johnson Street as presented in the application. Beck, second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right, we are approved. Thank you. Um, all right, this is item E, um, report on historic 
preservation fund projects? So um, last month when we went through the annual report, it was kind of fun showing you guys some images and we're also kind of cleaning up our files and so I found that I needed to kind of make a document that reported on what we've been doing. We've been talking about the fact that, I, that we'd like to share what we've been doing with the Historic Preservation Fund, but because of the fact that sometimes it's an income qualified thing, we didn't really want to it too broadly out there we don't want anybody to feel embarrassed about seeking help or anything like that but anyway so i've gone through and done kind of a full accounting of what we've done so far on the on the historic preservation fund so that everyone knows it's also kind of probably time to um you know take accounting of of how we've been doing and 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 stuff at, at moving forward you know right now here can I get up and get a tissue? Oh, yeah. In fact, I have to switch. Um, Jordan, we can just pass them down. This one. Yeah, I was just going to rip off that paper towel roll over there. <laughs> so um, we implemented it for fiscal year 2018, so um, uh, July 1st, 2017. Um, it, it's basically financial assistance for rehab and preservation of the exterior architectural features of the property. We have two types of funding for 50% of a project cost, a maximum funding of $5,000 for a $10,000 project. We have grants for owner-occupied properties with a household income of 140% of the median income or less. I just copied this is from our most recent application, so you've an idea of what those income limits are. And then we have loans for income properties or owner-occupied properties that are above that income limit. Uh, all uh, properties that are either local landmarks or one of these um, uh, statuses in one of our historic districts or conservation districts are eligible. Uh, Non-historic properties are not eligible. Um, eligible uh, projects are exterior work, uh, work that follows our guidelines, work that follows the Secretary of the Interior Standards, and typically involves a restoration or repair of original materials or helps retain original materials. So first project we had, 816 East College, a contributing property in the College Green Historic District. The project was column repair and pier reconstruction. And then there's a second floor balustrade along here that uh, raccoons were living in at this point. And so um, this shows kind of the before, what we had going on, and the after, much better. This was a $4,500 project total. Not so too bad. $2,250 for a grant. Our next one was great. This uh, owner took advantage of some other funding through the city as well. Um, this is a little Moffat house. It was covered in hardboard siding that the insects and woodpeckers were destroying. And um, we uh, helped them replace that siding. And uh, we looked at the garage, which is over here, and I didn't show it, but the garage has siding that looks exactly like this. And so we matched that because a lot of the Moffat homes have a matching garage like that. Um, and interestingly, this is a cement board product and it has mitered corners. And so it is possible there was no grief given to me by the contractor to do that. 
but we did have to look at several samples of shingle style cement board before we found one that really worked well because there's a lot of them that have a fake wood look that is just awful jessica the shutters make me shudder yeah <laughs> yeah we just did not talk about that, that. no we also have no idea what's going on here <laughs> and we just left all of that so basically all we did is remove the modern siding and put a cement board that looked like probably the original shingle and so that was a $27,000 project of which we gave five but again she got funds from other programs as well I think it was um, a, a low interest or no interest loan for the remainder I'm not sure exactly um, 509 Rundell uh, this is also in the Longfellow district this was just some window repair um, repair of the storm door and some storm window install installations we've done quite a few of storm windows so um, this shows she didn't do the second floor she just did the first floor and this just shows an example here are the original storm windows and here are the much better fitting ones obviously these people who are getting modern windows are going for all of the e-coatings that they can get and that's why they're looking so dark we don't care Regulate. about the glass um, so 1223 Seymour had two projects. The first project was actually replacing all of their wood shingle roof uh, with a new wood shingle roof. And so um, it, you know, it had, I think it has something else on the porch, but it had wood shingles here and here. And I think there's maybe a little bump out in the back. Uh, the second project was repairing siding and painting the whole house um, you can see here there's some warping of some of the boards <laughs> and the owner was very particular about wanting to make sure the siding was perfect <laughs> and so all of those kinds of bits were um, removed and replaced here again we see some of the warping of, of wood and um, you know it might have been a replacement that just wasn't lasting very well or something like that and um, here's some final paint job of it. Was it the full house paint job or was it one, a, a single side? No, it was a full house paint job. Yeah. 9, <laughs> there's, I think there's a wide range on painting and cost. Uh -huh. I'm learning this. Oh, very, very wide range. <laughs> yes, I'm and also sometimes if the owners help out, they might do a portion of it. This yeah. house did not need stripping. Oh, okay. Uh, frequently, in fact, we'll see one where the prep and the painting are two separate projects. Mm -hmm. um, 428 Clark Street. This was brought up frequently in the siding project that we had. This was one of those houses that was flipped by somebody and he installed insulation that was just, I mean, it filled that wall cavity. And in three short years, the, the paint was just falling off the house. And um, we had a lot of water damage that looked like this. And it only took three years to get that to that point. And so we helped them replace all of the siding on the house for this project but it didn't get into any you know it was a simple easy job um, here was before 
some of the damage is here and there's more on the other side. And here it is after. It pretty much looks exactly the same. Did they use wood siding to replace or did they use uh, some kind of cement board? They did use a cement board siding. And it was for that very reason because of the, the water damage. So we could, this was our first experiment to see if the cement board would actually help in that situation. And it could be a while before we know if it you know, if it doesn't work, but I'm sure they also installed some kind of a Tyvek, you know, under it, so. Um, this house has had a couple projects as well, and our, its first project had multiple things going on. It had uh, damage here at the internal gutter. It obviously has a synthetic siding, and around the windows, it's just open for the water to go in between the siding and the window trim. I mean, it was pretty awful. The back porch, um, some, this needed to be redone. Um, and then this area is on the west side. And what it is, is there was kind of like a little entry and then kind of an open porch. And then there's an addition. And this open porch had never really fit in. So as part of the project, we, um, they wanted to remove the door because they have a back the back door porch, and uh, we recited this in, in what the house would be if we removed all of this other metal siding. Um, this was a university partnership home at one point in time. Uh, so in uh, fiscal year 2018, we had seven total projects on six properties. The total final project cost was 80,000, mostly because of this. Here's the cute little garage. Mm -hmm. And the, our fund contributed, con contributed uh, 30759 The next year, um, this was an interesting project at 423 Ronalds. They have on the back of this portion of the house, they have like a little sunroom, and it has outward opening casement windows with inner opening screens, and they wanted storm windows. And so we did some research for them and we found this product called Indo. And this has a film on it they haven't removed yet, so it doesn't look green like that. But it is basically a, a friction placed uh, storm window. And so they can remove it themselves and it sits right here on the window so that the screen still opens and closes and it doesn't impact all of this. And so every winter they can put their new storm windows in and then take them out for the other seasons. I, can I just ask a practical question about that style of storm window? Uh -huh. Isn't part of one of the purposes of a storm window to protect the window itself, the interior window? It is, but uh, there you'll find that there are casement windows that open out. Uh -huh. And so frequently they just have an interior storm, so they do it opposite. But yeah, that is one of the things that we like about storm windows is they protect the uh, other window, but it just, casement windows don't always work that way. Is mm -hmm. it held in place with magnets or what? What keeps it? No, it's uh, flexible and bendy. And then this is a uh, rubber gasket. It does fit really tight. I mean, they're, they're not easy. You're going to put them in and leave them there all season. You're not going to take them in and out until the season changes. Hmm. But it does, yeah, it does allow them to um, uh, have better um, temperature control in this room. There's so, a lot of big historic properties that when they do like whole buildings, 
that, that utilize these, particularly on like higher floors and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I get my traditional building magazine, which is, by the way, free of charge if you just give them your email address. Oh, really? It's amazing. It's a great magazine. But oh. they, they, they reference this product a lot because it's so affordable mm -hmm. and, and allows for a lot of, uh, 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 to do this exact purpose. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember right now how many that they had, but I mean, it was only $1,100 for this sunroom, you know? And you'll see more of it in a second, like right now. Uh, so the other project they had is uh, repairing some of the storm windows for the rest of the house, and then repairing those casement windows. So um, this is just one side. Here they are kind of, you know, deteriorated over time. They're in pretty good condition. But here they are now that they've been cleaned and are brilliant. Um, some of it's protected by a porch as well so who's the contractor um commission information yeah i don't remember right now <laughs> um so 624 north gilbert street it's a little rental property and it had major foundation issues in this corner all actually all around this edge and then they also needed to do a little bit of window repair and um, I think they put storm windows here. Some of these projects, it's long enough ago, I'm not, you know, it's not on the top of my mind. Um, Jessica, on that, oh wait, on that last one? Oh, sorry, this one? Mm -hmm. This, do we know what's underneath that siding? Is that, like in that bottom corner, is that like a stone? Is that part of the foundation or is that what the house would be without the siding? Do we know? I, I don't know. I have a feeling it just has lap siding on okay, it. Okay, that's fine. I just was mm -hmm. I just was trying to figure out the if that just Yeah, no, this is asbestos right now and, and uh, I'm not sure okay, that's what's going on there. As you can tell if you look at the where the trim on the window is, it's pushed the asbestos siding is forward of the trim, so it probably does have your the yeah, sure. Yeah. I feel like you know oh, someone who, who... Yeah, I know the owner, and she was afraid to remove the siding until she's ready to invest in it on that level if the material is just not good, and she yeah. didn't know what it was underneath. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. In order to provide funds, do you have to... Uh, they have to use asbestos abatement, or, or do, can they do it themselves? Or we haven't gotten into that. I don't know. There's a whole lot of things about asbestos. It is my understanding that any homeowner can legally remove it on their own. I think you're right. That, but that, That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, but a company has to have proper... I think that any licensed contractor has to have... Uh, or the, you do it at night. <laughs> <laughs> the ability to, to do that. So sure. I think it kind of depends. We haven't had anybody remove asbestos as part of a project here. We have had people in town, in fact, um, the house in Summit Street that's kind of near, well, the second one in on the west side of the street, sorority and then that house, they removed their own asbestos siding. Mm -hmm. And that was a big house. We had it on the roof. Oh. We had to hire somebody. Yeah, that would be more difficult. Yeah, it was. Um, 803 Church, uh, we had a front porch reconstruction. So it was a modern enclosure. Obviously pretty hard to photograph before. Um, so here it is before and after. And um, uh, what's interesting here, this is all covered in vinyl. Uh, here you have vinyl. Here you have the original siding that was still inside the porch. So all of this is original, 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 
vinyl. <laughs> so you can really kind of see how that has a, a real different look, you know, even in this um, photograph right here. Um, so 430 Ronalds, their first project was um, a window repair project and um, there was a issue with the sashes and so it became a window sash replacement project uh, because the, the sashes were no longer available to them. Um, here is just one. This is a fixed sash window, and here's the new one. Again, they've used black tinted glass, but all the mutton bars are black like um, we would want, but uh, we helped them with multiple windows on the house. Um, the replacement was almost $10,000. Um, 722 East College Street. Uh, interestingly, they have the plans for this building in, in their possession, which was really cool to look at. Uh, the steps uh, were just falling apart and were dangerous to the congregation, and so we helped them get new concrete steps. If you ever walk by this, this is an example of what um, really strong mortar will do to bricks. This area, it's falling off the face of the brick. Uh, they've cut the shrub back in order to at least have less moisture and get some more air circulation in there, but um, those bricks will probably have to be replaced at some point in time. Um, this project, they needed to replace this door uh, entry stoop and also the um, storm door. And they have a beautiful, beautiful arched uh, original door. And so we helped them get a new storm door to protect that and uh, build a new stoop. This wasn't to code and um, this is all rot right here. So these are hollow boards, <laughs> you know, you could step right through. Um, so in 2019 fiscal year, we had eight total projects. One of them, which is not shown here, was for an overall total window repair project. And um, they ended up um, just deciding that they could afford to pay for it and let somebody else have the money. So they canceled. Um, but we had seven completed projects on six properties, total final cost and total final contribution from our fund. In 2020, our first project was replacing this uh, at least 100-year-old roof. It was leaking in many places and really does appear to have reached the end of its lifespan. And so we have a new standing seam roof. Um, no, we did not regulate the color. It's just whatever they wanted. But um, this was the total for this um, pretty simple building, <laughs> little entry canopy there. Entry canopy original? How uh, I don't know. Hard to say. Maybe. It could have been built like that originally. It, you know, even with the 810 Johnson, that never had a front porch. It would have just had that entry, and it probably didn't even have a portico. Some of those houses from, depends on the era, didn't have that kind of cover. Um, on this big rental house, um, we did a porch floor and... Um, Stair replacement, not these, sadly, I think that these might remain, I can't remember, but on, there's another stair on the back. Um, anyway, all of this was really rotten, and of course it's a rental house, so it was not well taken care of. And then they got a beautiful new porch floor here. This one is interesting because of the configuration of this porch. It steps back, it's really wide. 
Um, so it's mitered until you get to this point. And then we did not miter all the way into the corner because it got confusing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> we just, yeah. Jessica, did they use uh, fur flooring? Yeah, they did. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, this is 320 Fairchild Street. We helped them with some uh, storm windows. They're probably going to do more in the future. Most of them, there's actually like a little kitchen or sunroom addition on the back, and, and we helped them with all of those storm windows and with the front windows for sure. Um, here's just the storm windows they had, typical aluminum. Um, so here's the aluminum and here's the new, kind of hard to see, but they are new. So again, we didn't do the upper floor. We did uh, first say, floor. Are, are they the flush mount then? Yes, yeah. we only will help them with flush mount storms so that they really fit better, fit the way that original storms might have fit kind of to some degree. Here's another storm window project, little house on Sheridan. Um, here's all of the before. Uh, we didn't go black with this one because everything here is white, but here we have the before storm windows, and then here we have the after storm windows. It just fits better and, and looks better. Uh, this was a two-part project. And this one, it was kind of an emergency porch floor reconstruction because they were going, stepping through. This board had been there for a little while. Um, and so it was a $3,500 project to replace this. This was um, not a porch floor right here. It was like a very thin, weirdly poured concrete that had to be removed. And then they did a traditional wood um, porch floor. And they did it traditional because this was a two-part project that we'll get to in the next year. Um, 409 Ronald Street, they had some nice storm windows, but they had uh, to put a few more on, so they did some storm windows. And this entire wall of their foundation was bowing out. Mm. And it was bowing out bad enough that, I didn't include pictures, but they did not say push it back in straight or tie it into the ground. They actually alleviated the pressure on the foundation wall by installing some steel columns that also hold it from um, pushing in either way. And so it's, they have a steel column mounted to the concrete floor. They added some joists to the main floor. They bolted the steel column there. And then they actually infilled between the wall and the column with like custom tapered pieces of wood so that they could just lock that all together. And there's like four, five, six columns. I don't, I don't know how many exactly. Are they on the, in, they're on the inside, they're, they're not outside the Right, they're on the inside. So yeah, they're just along this wall, vertical columns here. And so uh, here was before, and with the foundation you can't really tell, but it's done. <laughs> and here are some of the new storm windows as well. There's the house still standing. Yes, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bad thing. Uh, 407 Brown, they've been working on this house themselves, but we've had to help them with some of the repair just because it was so bad. I mean, this was, they're doing all the scraping and painting, um, but they had some really rotten material that they had to replace. Um, they also, this soffit, um, here's, you know, look at this, this is pretty bad. 
Um, and so it's been repaired. Um, they used an interesting paint removing thing where it's a chemical and you put it on and then like, it's like a paper and chemical thing and then you peel it off and it's apparently not messy. It, they said it's a lot of work, but it's um, better than any of the scraping or heating methods that they have found so far. Um, so yeah, they're not quite done. I think the whole other side over here needs to still be painted, but we, we did help them um, with the repair that they had to have a contractor do. Uh, 415 Davenport Street, this is Rose Hill. It's a lo local landmark. Um, they had on a rear kitchen addition, they had some windows that have a big panel at the bottom and those are rotten out. Um, they also had whatever was going on with this window well here. And so we helped them with the, um, they replaced these uh, panels with the kitchen that were rotten. They built a new window well and replaced this window and fixed what was going on here. Um, they had a little bit of roof repair on the kitchen addition and stuff as well. Sometimes they have a one specific thing and sometimes they have a, a bunch of little projects kind of depends on the property. So in 2020 fiscal year, we had eight projects on eight properties, total final project cost here and total final contribution here. So that one, it was mostly half and half. Okay, last year, um, 1527 Muscatine had many windows that were in really bad condition. Some of them were actually repaired and some of them we replaced the sashes. And they also um, have been working on some stucco repair. Um, they still need to have someone come back and do a final coat and then a paint touch up on the stucco. So uh, this has been kind of a long drawn out project. Um, here, you know, this is the condition of some of the stucco. Um, this is this is the same area right now. It just needs one little final coat to kind of blend that in better. Um, but as you can see, the total final project cost, even without that having been, been done yet, is, is it's pretty high. Um, so uh, when this property owner was working on their project, we helped them with multiple things. Um, we, we helped them uh, with some of the front porch work this siding was not even installed so that it was level. It was all at a weird angle, so they had to reinstall it. Um, it had aluminum siding all over the house and all of the window crowns, the, the uh, trim at the window crowns were all cut off. So they had someone make new pieces of that, new drip edge pieces. So again, the owner did a lot of the work and then we had a contractor come in and, and make the, the special pieces and repair things that the owner couldn't do. Um, and so, yeah, I put this as a before and after. I mean, because we did help with some of this, you know, reciting in here because it was just a mangle from a past owner. Um, okay, and so then we had two more projects on this house. And the first project, the owners removed the synthetic siding. So that was all gone. And um, then they had to have somebody uh, prep the house so that it was uh, ready for painting. You know, here we have all the siding removed and it needs gets scraped down. 
um, it gets primed and, and ready to go. So for this particular house and probably with the owners doing some of the work, the prep <laughs> was $67.50. Um, yeah, and I'm sure that they helped with this project. They're very active in helping. Um, their second project was then um, any of the trim repair that they needed to do. There, um, it was kind of interesting that the way that they had put this on, they just basically tacked a uh, piece of wood on each side of the jam so that they could have this um, synthetic siding butt up against it. That's really common, the way it always happens. But then, you know, the crown was cut off, the drip edge was cut off. Um, so was the corner of the sill. And this house originally had a, wrap, uh, a porch that wrapped in this area. And so we suspected that there would be nothing in this area, and that was the case. I didn't give you guys a picture of it, sorry. But um, they had to completely put siding in this area just because that's where the porch roof was. And so um, it didn't have any siding. But we did find there was a little gap in the siding along here, and that's where one of the porch columns would have been. And so we did not have them bridge that with siding. We had them put a vertical piece of trim because hopefully if in the future that one, they might come back and do another project where they reconstruct the porch. And so we know right there the width of the column. And so we also know the location of a column. And so we can kind of work from that one little bit to get the right proportions and everything for the, a new porch. So this is what we have now. Uh, you know, they uncovered this half um, window, they, uh, lots of, of great things here. They kept this little drip edge this is the new siding that they had to put in there. And, and then here's that vertical piece where uh, the column was. Yeah, this one was probably the most amazing project. Um, and so for them, that trim um, was about $9,000. Uh, we had another storm window installation project here on this house at 426 Church Street. I'm kind of hoping the siding comes off of this soon. There's an insurance thing going on with it, um, but I don't know. Um, so anyway, here's our original storm windows and here's all of our new storm windows. And they're all around the house. Um, this one was interesting. It's a rental property. Um, all of this unpainted uh, shingle siding and they uh, cleaned it and it was a special way that we had to approve them cleaning it and then they put a, a sealant on it and painted everything um, mm. here's some pictures um, just two afters it's kind of an interesting house I mean this is obviously not an original window it doesn't mm -hmm. match in any way but um, it's a pretty uh, old house if I remember right um, but yeah I can't remember much about it right now but it looks really great. Okay, so project two here was removing whatever this rock construction was. There's barely, you can see there's a, a brick pier here. All of the original piers existed for this porch and the roof was original. So we could use that to figure out what kind of columns and the commission actually approved that. So this is the final project. This is interesting because we can see brick, 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 brick tile. So we know that the grade at least covered that tile originally. And then here, 
the tile is down here. So we know that there was actually a slope <laughs> at one point there, which is kind of fascinating. But anyway, uh, this house is uh, fascinating to me. It is uh, one of those that I want to rip those asphalt shingles off those walls so bad. <laughs> There's at least two layers, if not three. I'm afraid it's stucco and so it's mostly destroyed from the asphalt, but I don't know. It, I, I think it's a prairie school style house just based on a lot of the cues going on with it. So anyway, we got the porch done. It is a rental property. Uh, so 418 Church Street was the last one we got under contract at the end of last fiscal year. Um, and they have two projects. One is porch repair same structural thing that people get from uh, gutters and downspouts not working right and draining down to their column bases. Uh, porch floor will be replaced and some of the base of the column. Uh, I think these are all stave built columns like a barrel so hopefully they will be able to be um, remain. Um, and so I don't have and after <laughs> because they're still working on this project we uh the estimate came in at ten thousand to redo um a bunch of this porch work i think you know here's a capital that's same problem it's um needs work and then project two is siding and trim repair the owner has been stripping off the siding again and so they're going to trim it uh fix it anything that projected was cut off. So we have a crown over these windows. This was a projecting sill. Here was a drip edge over the water table. Um, all of the little sill corners were cut off on this house. Um, and so again, uh, we don't, it's not completed because it's still in, in prog progress. And actually they're not working on it at the moment because of the season, so. Um, so for um, 2021, we had nine projects to not complete on that one house. Um, so I, we included his estimates in this to total. Um, the total estimates would be about 91,000 and we would have put in 37,950 of it. We do have a couple projects for this fiscal year. This little house needed pointing really bad. Um, it also needed some repair of some poorly done pointing. Uh, we didn't do anything on this front face. We did it all on the west side. This was just kind of before and this is after. I My critique is that some of this is still not the neatest job, but it, it, does, it is good and it looks better and it's the proper mortar. So all of that was checked. Uh, 520 Grant Street um, did some garage repair. This is the rear corner of the garage where the foundation is just separating as it gets pushed down the hill by the water coming down the driveway. Um, and uh, we also helped them get a new garage floor because it was also breaking up. And so here's the new garage floor and here's, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly how they fixed the corner, but it's all tied together with steel and some concrete skin. So um, it should hold that all together. Uh, we also worked to help him with another project. As you can see, he's having that porch problem. And so he got a new floor. We experimented with this one. We did allow a treated tongue and groove wood floor. And it's the first one that we have kind of approved. And it was partly at the owner and the contractor's suggestion. And so we're going to see how it goes. Um, 
here's the new floor. The owner will paint it himself this uh, spring. Um, and then we have one under contract to paint this house. This is the house where we, as a ch uh, commission, changed it from uh, non-historic to non-contributing so that it would be eligible for our fund. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. It's too bad we can't share that stuff because it's so fascinating. Well, it's all in the meeting now, so. That's true. But it would be such interesting Facebook posts or Instagram or mm -hmm. just to let we, people know. Yeah, I can't remember if we've done them or not. So um, Cecile has to go, but we need to vote for the minutes because we don't have a quorum once she leaves. Okay, can we do this real quick? Does anyone have any? I vote yes. <laughs> Does, uh, can we motion to approve the minutes? Uh, motion to approve the minutes from the last meeting. Sullivan, second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. I have to go too. My son is waiting for me. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, we'll just talk about the other but, things. Hey, I, I think we should adjourn yeah. and then we can just visit. Okay. Is that, is that yeah, all right? That, that works fine. Okay. Um, so let's have a motion to adjourn the meeting. Wagner moves to adjourn. Seligan at second. Yep. Okay. Meeting is adjourned. Hey, just quick.